Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could, would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Cause we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Welcome to Significant Others. I'm Liza Powell O'Brien, and in this month's bonus episode, we're joined by the Oscar-winning screenwriter behind such films as Forrest Gump, Dune, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, and the newly released Killers of the Flower Moon. Eric Roth, thank you so much for joining us today. I thought it would be interesting to talk to you because as a screenwriter, you occupy an indispensable yet relatively low-profile position as far as the public is concerned in the movie-making process. But even more specifically, your screenplays are often adaptations of novels, which makes you a significant other, so to speak, of not only the director and actor of the movie, but also the author who wrote the original work. And you've done this with a bunch of your screenplays, right? I have. Um, it's a little bit of a misnomer, not because they are, they certainly are literally adapted, but some of the adaptations I would say were particularly original. That uh, uh, I'll get, Benjamin Button, for instance, was um, from just, uh, from not just, but Scott Fitzgerald had a spectacular idea of what happens to be aged backwards. But the story he wrote, which was in Collier's Magazine in like 1918 or something, um, he just did it for money and the story's not very good, to be quite honest. Uh, Not that I'm judging it, it's just uh, anybody would judge it, it's not his best work. But uh, so I had the um, either temerity or the uh, blessing of just starting from scratch and creating my own Mm. story. So you just took the concept. I took the concept and then wrote uh, just whatever I felt worked with that and created mm-hmm. a world. And so I think that was pretty original. Um, mm-hmm. You know, one of the tropes in screenwriting is bad books make good movies. The same thing mm-hmm. with bad plays make good movies. Mm-hmm. And so you have the sort of uh, license to throw out what you think is bad, you know, and mm-hmm. you hope you don't make a mistake. But uh, a lot of the writing, even though it's an adaptation, I mean, I would have to go through movie by movie is some of it's pretty original, you know? In other words, I'm not saying original within the context of an adaptation, but original as to not conceive before. I mean, Forrest Gump is a particularly original screenplay from a uh, a book that did have sort of a guidelines of who's, but everything was different. He had a 400 pound man and he went he went into space and all sorts of stuff oh that God. just anyway it was uh, it was just very different doesn't I mean it's better or worse but mm. it was just different uh and uh i think you'll find that with a lot of my work uh some are a little more uh hidebound to the material mm-hmm. and i think uh just to talk about this the craft um because i don't i'm not sure it's a great art form screenwriting i think it's a great craft um i think you can be wonderful craftsmen at it um, and I think you can have a great artistry in it, but I'm not sure it's a great art form. 
Mm. Uh, it's, a, you know, because it's so collaborative. Right. You're creating something that is of no value until it's, uh, you know, I mean, a book, at least you can publish and publish it yourself. Uh, you can uh, have the, uh, the success, the feeling of success of having, a you know, a manuscript on your desk. And mm. a screenplay really has uh, not much use once if, if, you, if it's not realized, you know. So you're very conscious as you're writing that you're you're writing a roadmap, essentially. Yeah, that's what you are doing. I mean, uh, Orson Welles said that that uh, mm-hmm. uh, in a way uh, that you you're designing the boat, and then uh, with help, uh, and then where the boat goes and how it gets there is pretty much the director's way, of, uh, director's job. It's so specific to this particular craft, if you want to call it that, that what works best, quote unquote, best on the page for you completely depends on the few eyes that are actually going to see it. You know, it's like, how does the director feel about it? Maybe how do the actors feel about it? I don't know if the actors get to care about it, but that, you know, it's not that you're approaching your craft in terms of just saying, you know, what is the best version of this or what's the form I'm experimenting with? It's just, you know, it's about it's a real, there's a practical concern, which is, I think, very unique. I think there's a practical concern, but there's also this kind of, um, first of all, I've done this for, you know, I've written 30 movies. So, right. I mean, I'm not bragging about it, but I, I know what I'm doing. You know, I don't, I, I always have the same anxiety about whether I'm doing it well, which I think any artist, in mm-hmm. quote, does. Mm-hmm. But I do know how to do it. And I, I think I, I, I think I know how to do it kind of unconsciously. Right. I mean, it's, a lot of stuff's not conscious, you know, mm-hmm. and I've done this. I have the same process and everything I write and adapt or the few originals I have written. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been successful by, I think if I have a stock and trade, it's probably, I think you'd find my screenplays to be very human. Um, I hopefully emotional. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I think they're pretty interesting. And I think there, mm-hmm. there is a, there is a literate quality, literature quality to it that you could, you could potentially, if it was a, such a being, enjoy the script as, as it is, but you certainly would enjoy it more as to what it was intended to be, you know. When did the idea of, of being a screenwriter enter your consciousness? Was it always there? Well, I sort of, I, I was always steeped in the movies. I, I went to uh, film school at, at Columbia uh, and then on to UCLA. But um, I love movies. I loved uh like it was a great experience when I was eight years old going to the Brooklyn Paramount. I, I was raised in mm. Brooklyn. Uh, Brooklyn Paramount Theater sitting in the balcony and getting the hell scared out of me watching uh, War of the Worlds, you know. Oh, yeah, and sure. uh, I just loved the literature of film and it was, uh, mm. you know, it was, second, it was a shorthand to me. Mm. I never, I, I directed some shorts. Uh, I didn't think I was quite good at it. You know, I think I was okay. I, I, um, but um uh, I really felt more comfortable writing. I had written for magazines. I had done some writing on my own for some, you know, some things where I was getting sort of professionally paid for. But mm. and I happened to win a, a contest that got me an agent, and that started some things happening. I also was uh, lucky enough to be a mentee of a very friendly director named Stuart Rosenberg, who uh, at the AFI really believed in me and. I was really, I was 19 years old and he, well, I got wow. sent to rewrite a Paul Newman movie. Wow. And yeah. So, and Paul Newman said, oh, our savior just arrived when I walked on the set in Louisiana. I said, I don't, oh I don't think God. so. But I stayed friends, I stayed friends with him for life. But, uh, 
So wow. whatever the reason was, I got very lucky early. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know. I, I felt comfortable doing it. I never, uh, I've had anxieties, mm -hmm. of course, but I felt comfortable in the medium. I, I know movies quite mm -hmm. well. And mm -hmm. I think I know storytelling. So anyway, that's what how I started, you know. Did you read a lot of screenplays as part no, of your No, I never really programs? did. I, re I, I, read, I read books. Uh -huh. And I saw movies like crazy. I'd go to movies, you know, five, six times a week. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty. I'm pretty steeped in movies. I, I'm not not as much as Marty. Uh, he has like Movie Channel on 24 hours a day in every room right. in his house. But uh, no, I uh, I know them pretty well, and I've got a really pretty great memory for what they look like. Movies. I could tell you a lot of scenes from movies. I can tell you who directed them. What was the you know sort of what was the writing like, and mm -hmm. so it, it's just so part of me, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and learning the form, anybody can do that in about an hour. Uh, <laughs> so it's just that simple. I mean, don't tell Columbia Film School. <laughs> oh well, <laughs> there goes their business model. <laughs> uh, well, it's just that learning the form. I mean, you, uh -huh. you know, with Final Draft, certainly, you know, and I, I still use a very old program that uh, I have on DOS. I don't even have a, uh, oh I don't have a DOS anyway. Uh, but you know, you just uh, once you learn the form, then you have to figure out how what, what you're going to have to say, and that's a little different yeah. challenge, you know. That's right. Yeah. So Columbia schools could be fine. I don't know. <laughs> They're in business. They're yeah. good. Um, can I ask you about the process, the actual process sure, of sure. when you start with the book? I start with the book. Is it different every time? I do the same thing every time. I underline what I think I'm going to want to dramatize because mm -hmm. at my heart, I'm a dramatist. Um, mm -hmm. What I think would be good scenes for a movie, what would be different. And I find that I've now underlined almost the whole book. Right. That's true. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I have anything close by where I could show you. I've underlined almost the whole book. Then I, then I do kind of look at those underlines and say, which of these things are I want to keep? How do I want to tell the story? I'm also very, very particular about theme because I think that's what's most, mm. most important. Mm. What's it ultimately about? Not what the story is, but what's this ultimately about? Mm -hmm. And so that the theme is what I think is what uh, you have to always keep in your mind hmm. uh, and that's a bigger gestalt of stuff but if you can get to that and then somehow the story can take you there and you end up with what the thematic is a, i think successful way to do it um and then and do you I, ever feel do you ever feel as if you as if the book is presenting one particular theme but you're actually drawing something else out of it that you would want to focus on or is it usually in alignment it's a good question um I don't know the answer to that one. Hmm. I mean, I think that maybe it's an extension of the theme from the book. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm not sure I've done anything that was, well, certainly not in opposition to the book. You know, that would be probably right. a problem. Right. <laughs> but I, I think uh, maybe maybe the author's theme was slightly different or, you know, and not, not wrong, but, and I, and I might have made it the theme something I was more interested in, but uh mm -hmm. A lot of my stuff, uh, a, a guy who's I like very much, Elvis Mitchell, who was a New York Times mm -hmm. uh, critic, and then he does a show on PBS. I love his show. And he, yeah, he's a lovely show. And he said to me that um, he looked at all my movies. This was a few years ago, but he said, your movies are all about loneliness. Hmm. And I think he's right. I think he's right. Somehow in there. Wow. And now I think... At my age, it's about loneliness and mortality, so it's a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> it's the human condition. Yeah, exactly. Wow. 
Yeah. So, uh, but that, I think that, that re- resonated. Um, so I don't know if that's always the theme of the work, mm-hmm. but it's certainly, it, it, it inhabits what I write, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could, would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Dogs are an important part of our lives. That means protecting them from parasites. Ask your vet about NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one-and-done monthly protection against fleas, ticks, heartworm disease, roundworms, and hookworms. Plus, they're delicious and easy to give. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurologic disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. Ask about NexGuard Plus chews. At Delta, we know Mike and HC prefers reality TV to reality. So we provide more than 1,000 hours of in-flight entertainment. On the next flight, 8C is Mandy, a foodie. So we offer all types of food options. Because at Delta, everyone flies their own way. Delta, keep climbing. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. So a project like Forrest Gump, how did that come to you? Was it brought by someone? That was brought to me. Uh, I had written, I had written a, a screenplay called The Postman from a book for a producer named Wendy Feinerman. The book was a, um, a, a dystopian uh, book about a postman in this kind of dystopian world. And I, I thought it might be a good um kind of uh satire like uh jonathan mm. swift or something and so mm-hmm. i had known tom hanks a little bit and i said what, what do you think of this and he said give it a whirl you know so mm. i wrote what was kind of a oddball uh post-apocalyptic piece that was i don't think it was out and out humorous but more like as i say jonathan swift kind of thing that it was uh the ironies of things and and it, it, it we we went through a number of incarnations with directors and all nobody it never worked out. And then it's like 10 years later, Kevin Costner made it. And, uh, it was a bad movie. I mean, really bad. And, um, but the guy who ended up writing it, rewriting me, a guy named Brian Helgeland is a wonderful, wonderful writer. He wrote, um, mystic river and uh, LA confidential mm. and a number of movies he's directed and really talented mm. man, nice man. And he called me and said, do you want credit on this? I said, I don't know anything about it really anymore. And he said, well, think about it. I'll be glad to share it with you because he was such a generous guy. And mm. so I called my agent and my agent said, uh, who happened to also handle Kevin Costner at the time. 
and said, all I can tell you is the dailies are magnificent. This is going to be some movie. So I had to think, I thought about it. I said, okay, I guess I'll take credit on it, which I got. And I, I won a Razzie. It was one of the oh, worst movies no. of the year. <laughs> oh, agents and their No, yeah. yeah their well, I said, I said, anyway, I met Tom Hanks through that and we became quite friendly and close. Mm. And there was this oddball book, Forrest Gump, that this Wendy Feinerman producer gave me. And they, they he had tried to write it. The author for Warner Brothers didn't work out. And uh, I, I said, I thought it's kind of interesting thing. Uh, you know, it's a little farcical for me, but maybe there's a way uh, to make it have some meaning. And asked Tom, you know, we asked Tom, would you want to do this if we were today? And he read the book. He said, yeah, go ahead. Give it a shot, you know. So I, I sort of, I, I did stay in obviously close contact with Tom as to what he liked or didn't like about it. And, mm. and we ended up, I ended up writing it and we got lucky, you know. So, uh, Well, I think it's a little more than luck yeah well whatever my career <laughs> then of course my com career completely changed you know so then right. then i had to pick the most things and or i could pick what i wanted to do to some extent yeah. and so you know it's uh success is wonderful you know if you're <laughs> it's a real grind if you you know i look forward to learning about that someday <laughs> well, i don't um, think there's any alchemy to it it's just uh it just happens by mm -hmm. something i don't know if it's you can, I don't think you can manifest it, you know? No. Um, oh. I think you have to, you know, so there was a little bit pre, I had some other things that were decent, but nothing that really cracked through, you know? Um, mm. And then you had that and people say, oh, you know something. Well, I don't, I didn't know any more than I knew before that, you know? Right. Saying? But somehow that, or I could articulate that in some kind of way that meant something, you know? Um mm. It's lightning in a bottle. The lightning in a works, bottle, right? yeah, it was, yeah. for sure. And uh, so then my life changed that way, you know, yeah. Yeah. And I know you've worked multiple times with Martin Scorsese. Is that the director you've worked the most with? No, 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 not at all. I, I've only done one movie with him. Oh, okay. No, I've done, we had oh, other. just one. Just killers. Uh, I've had others um, we had tried to get done or we were mm. we were thinking about doing, and I've known him for many years. No, I've never, uh, you know, there's always this kind of two schools in a way, the West Coast and the East Coast schools, you know. Right, And right. Uh, uh, Marty and his group were really the East Coast guys and wonderful, the best, you know. Yeah. And I was more uh, not not leaning toward, but the, the stuff I was interested felt more West Coast in some way. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I, the, the person I work with the most, I guess, is... Uh, I've done a lot of work for David Fincher, who I love more than mm. life itself. Very loyal, mm. very loyal, wonderful, hard, hard, hard taskmaster. Talented. Talented beyond belief. Michael Mann. Yeah. I uh, did two or three movies with him. Uh, Bob Zemeckis, mm -hmm. uh, who I love as a wonderful guy to work for. But Marty, I've known for a long time. So, but Marty, I haven't, I have never done anything prior to this. Yeah. Got it. And so how, how much does it vary, your piece of it, depending on who's directing? Well, Is it very it, different? It, it, var it varies in, in as much the, that when all is said and done, it's the director's film. You can talk about it and it has to be on the page and all that stuff, which I, I believe mm -hmm. into. But the director is the one that's going to, if it barks like a, dog, a director and sounds like a director, it's going to be a director. And the director <laughs> makes the final decisions. I always tell the same story about I wrote a movie called The Onion Field, um, or, or a, a version of it, and um, 
the director, I, I loved a scene in it. And the director said, I, I don't like it. And I, every week we'd fight about it for like probably three weeks. And he finally says, you can leave in the script. I'm just not going to shoot it. And so that was the end of that conversation. But it was a good lesson because right. that's the bottom line. So you have to find, I, I call it the third rail. You have to, the director has his point of view and perception of how he wants something done. The writer does. And it, to have a successful, in quote, marriage and, uh, you know, combination of the two talents, uh, you need to find a third way then. Mm-hmm. where you can articulate how the director might see it, but in a way that, you know, articulates what you wanted to begin with. And so it's a, a little bit of a juggling act, um, but it can be worth it, you know, and yeah. you have to be honest what you don't like and what you like. And uh, um, I've had, I've worked with, uh, I mean, as much, I'm as proud as anything. I work with Kurosawa. I work with Marty, mm-hmm. um, who's a genius. And uh Fincher and uh, Michael Mann and um, Zemeckis and Spielberg. And I mean, the list is incredible that I've, I mean, that I've gotten. And same thing with the actors. I mean, most incredible actors. Right. So uh, it's a, it, it can be a great collaboration. It can be also very fraught, you know. Um, yeah. You have to sort of know when to back off and when to go forward and when they really want you on a set and when they don't. I mean, all those kind of things. Uh, right. And it's a it's a relationship, and uh, yeah, these are people who devoted their life to not being at home and wanting to do that, you know. And, right. Uh, it's just different, and um, it's just the, uh, the solitude of writing. I love, you know, the director. Yeah. Directors want to um, be leaders, and uh, they they don't mind moving mountains to do things, and uh, you know, right. it's a little more a little more zen the writing, you know, even though it can be can be a little more aggra- aggravating. Sure. I did want to talk to you about your latest project, Killers of the Flower Moon. And I'm wondering if you can tell us a bit about what it was like adapting that screenplay and working with Martin Scorsese. I think that it's such a movie that, uh, of Marty, of his essence and his soul, that, uh, that he, he captured, as I talked about with theme, thematically what this movie should be about, yeah. which is uh, uh, this crushing the crushing sort of soul crushing way that these people were um, that we treated these particular people and that, uh, mm-hmm. that we're all culpable in a way that which is not to say that we all need to walk around feeling guilty, but that certain things happen because we're not paying attention to what's uh, the human thing to do. Mm-hmm. And, but anyway, Marty made this, uh, I think this movie, it's certainly as good as anything I've been involved with. So it's, uh, and I've had mm-hmm. some really good things to been involved with and that, it, it was a it was a real exercise in in trying to be creative. Um, he's as giving a person as you'll find. Marty wants all your imagination, and if you said to him, "I think I want the movie to run backwards," he would do that. Try it, you know. But <laughs> this one, we went off. The book itself was wonderful, and it was a, a, a very touching story about these people who had nothing and the Osage and lived in the shitty land in Oklahoma and discovered oil and then had everything. And then people came in to kill them. And, uh, this is mm-hmm. about how, what, what was done to them and, uh, what is done to people in, you know, in all sorts of circumstances. But, um, is it a difficult story to live inside of? Um, it was, it's difficult uh, on a human basis, but there's a, a great character mm-hmm. named Molly, who's the uh, uh, lead in it, who, 
somehow was the guiding light of it, you know, this particular character so that, um, and men will be men in a way in it so that there is a, uh, I, I, I don't think this was as difficult as some other things to inhabit. It, it was just diff- difficult to get it so that we were, which we ended up, Marty, and I contributed to Marty, that uh, we ended up finally look, going from inside out rather than outside in. But it ends up being this really epic piece about things we really haven't dealt with and done in a wonderful way where we know right away who's guilty of this thing. And and it's... Mm. Um, Anyway, it's a movie. I, I, I'm promoting it now, but I wish people would go see because I think it's a really important piece. Well, I, for one, cannot wait to see it. One thing I wanted to ask you before we go is when you're watching films, do you ever, because what you do is one of those things that can be a little bit invisible, right? So when you're watching other people's work, do you ever have moments of sort of thinking, oh, that was clumsy or why did they do that that way? Oh yeah, all the time. I I don't like um, they do it in television more than movies, but I don't like mm. I don't like exposition. Mm-hmm. So that's and most writers fall into not most. I don't know. I don't know the percentage, but that's the easy way out. You know, where you're telling mm-hmm. what you're yeah. what people know when two people talk together and they're saying, well, you know, next week we're so and so is getting married and we're all going to go to the wedding and like right. like the person didn't know that. I mean. Right. The best writing, and there's some people I just uh, I'm in awe of who do it, is subtextual writing. You don't write about what's actually going on, but you write about what is going on. And right. so, but you do it in a different way. Where you do it with a metaphor, you do it with an illusion, and and that's really hard. And that's what the great novelists do. You know, they don't mm-hmm. always have to be right on the nose about what they're saying. Mm-hmm. And the great writers like Bo Goldman and I guess William Goldman and um, the people I just admired so much, uh, playwrights are wonderful at that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's the best kind of writing, and it takes you your whole life to learn how to do it. And I, I haven't That's got there yet. Sure. I haven't got there yet. <laughs> I really haven't. Well, I haven't. I wish I had. I, I think we're all benefiting from watching your education happen. Uh, well, out good. Loud. <laughs> I'll, I'll share it. Okay. Um, I have one question that I like to ask people um, in closing, which is. If there is someone that you would consider to be the significant other of your trajectory, not necessarily a spouse, or, um, it could be anyone, and it could be multiple people, but is there anyone that comes to mind for you where you think, oh, if not for that person, I would have had a very different outcome? Well, I had a lot of people who helped mentor me. I mean, just uh, were good ears, even though I'm not, I'm not very good at sharing my work. Mm. When, I, when I'm done, I, when I think it's right, I turn it in like I turn in a script today. I think mm-hmm. it's right to be turned in. Now, I'm sure when I look at it again, I'll want to bomb it. But, uh, <laughs> you know, but uh, not, I, I can name some writers who, uh, uh, Bo Goldman was instrumental to me, uh, Alvin Sargent. Um, but I, I took my cues from a lot of directors who were very, very um, compatible and collaborative. But I don't think anybody in particular, usually I would say the, the people I've lived and loved, you know, were my mm-hmm. friends. and. Some were harder on me than others about the work, but they were always uh, my muse in that sense. And then mm. I'm a great observer. I think if I have a good, uh, I have a good sense of what I think. Are, I, I remembered this the other day, for instance. It's such a it's a it's a big thing, but it's small. So I used to be friends. I won't even name the band, a particular band, a very well known rock artist, and 
they were playing and somebody threw a marshmallow at them at a big concert mm-hmm. and hit him in the head. And he threw the marshmallow back and hit the person in the head. And, wow. the, and But these people all came prepared with marshmallows and they threw like 600 <laughs> marshmallows. A giant marshmallow fight broke out. And I said, oh that's God. a great scene for something, you know? Yeah. And then there's this way smaller things about the things in life that children do or you see somebody when they're passing away or those things that you try to humanize, you know, that make a particular person in my life has a habit of standing like a stork. And so I put that in a movie. I mean, so it's the things Mm -hmm. you, you, it somehow lead you to what the, uh, I don't even explain it, but there's things that inspire you. There's tiny things that uh, Mm -hmm. lead you to try to be hopefully poetic and, Mm. or at least make something that's uh, memorable in what you're doing. Uh, I, I, I find it's interesting. So I know you're a playwright and you're very good. Oh, thank you. And um, so I wrote High Noon, right, a mm-hmm. version, which we're still trying to get an actor. But I was having a conversation with a very talented director, a guy who won the Tony this year named Michael Arden. And um, I was trying to say, I want to somehow be able to do what they can we can do in a movie where you can just in a look or a mm. or a gesture and i said but that's all close up and you don't get that in the stage you know mm. but that's what i wish we could somehow inhabit and that's what i i'm good at doing uh or hopefully you're good at doing somehow imparting something that uh, i'll give you one example that um in the movie the insider uh i'd written a page and a half monologue and Al Pacino called me the day they were going to shoot it and said, I can do this with one look. Uh. And I said, well, let's call it Michael Mann, see what he says. So Michael smartly says, we'll shoot it both ways. Uh-huh. And he ended, up, he ended up using the look, hmm. you know, and, and I'm sure, and it did impart the same exact right. thing that I had written, you know. Right. Um, so it's, a, look, it's a great visual medium and uh, try to take advantage of that um, and, uh try to balance what you the words people say and uh and also make all the characters quite different that mm-hmm. they're uh that they all have their own psychology mm-hmm. own way of looking at the world and they articulate it that way as we do in life you know mm-hmm. so. well i have a million more questions for you but i'm going to stop us there because i think i've okay. taken up enough of your time thank you so much eric roth this was really oh, delightful you. all right well i've enjoyed it and i always love seeing you likewise Killers of the Flower Moon is now in theaters, so if you haven't already, please be sure to check it out. We'll be releasing bonus episodes right up until season two comes out, so don't forget to hit the subscribe button. And as always, we welcome any and all suggestions for upcoming episodes. You can email us at significantpod at gmail.com. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.